1: Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Blender HD. Join with me on Mondays. Mondays with McCool. It's James McCool, co-author with me of the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass. If you want to learn the entire game theory of Daily Fantasy Sports, of DFS, no matter what the sport is, go to theoryofdfs.com. As always, see the YouTube chat, people. You know I love you guys. Keep my apple juice cold. I got the brand name stuff back, Minute Maid. I got it. Hit that thumbs up button. Give me those dummy thumbs. Hit the subscribe button if you're new. Hit uh, the notification bell to know when we go live. We got a lot of content this month, right? We got NBA grinders live. We got N- uh, got N- MLB grinders live. We got golf stuff, right? We got, got tons of stuff going on. But of course, I'm always here. In the morning, going over stuff. Today, a little bit more just to general strategy conversation if you've got questions in the chat feel free to feel free to type them in i see you guys in there so james uh i didn't play mlb i didn't play any dfs yesterday i took a day off i wanted to sleep in because on saturday that they had an mma card like early like like eleven thirty 30 in the morning so it's like okay i can't sleep in on saturday i want to play mma so it's like i'm gonna i'm gonna sleep in because with the sundays in MLB, you get these afternoon slates where you're not even sure what the lineups are going to be. Like they, you know, the catcher doesn't start, they rest a the guy, you know, that type of stuff. And then, then yesterday, uh, appara- apparently from what I've looked at, if you scored any positive points in pitcher, you, you did well. Right. Yesterday. Uh, Cause what there was, there was like a, then there was a rain out like two thirds of the way into the inning. Right. That type. I mean, did it, did it feel like MLB? I mean, it's not as bad as NBA, but do you feel like yesterday's slate was a little bit like the MLB version of like what NBA DFS feels like every day?
2: Um, no, I mean, because yesterday, like, we knew, so there, there were those two trouble spots, right? Like, there were the Angels and the Blue Jays, and that game did end up actually getting postponed. But, like, we pretty much knew that that one was going to get postponed. And that one, it, in, industry sentiment from all 40 weathermen that do an in, industry stuff um, pretty much all of them just said that that game was probably going to get rained out. And it did the, the trouble Mark spot there with the weather was with, uh, the Mets game was Mets. My was Mets Marlins. Um, and Marcus Stroman happened to be, uh, the most expensive pitcher on the slate. I think no, 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 he, he was expensive. He was 9,100 on DraftKings. He was 9,400 on FanDuel where he was the most expensive pitcher. And, um, People were like, oh, well, you know, is this game going to play? Is this game not going to play? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, And the only reason why people cared if Marcus Stroman was going to play was because the pitching yesterday was atrocious. Uh, Marcus Stroman had my highest projection for any pitcher at just 16.9 fantasy points. So if that tells you anything about what pitchers we had yesterday and why people cared about whether Marcus Stroman was going to be playing or not, that's the reason why.
1: And yeah, and but I was, see. I saw a lot of people with with the weather stuff, and they didn't want to play Stroman. They ended up going to. I saw a lot of people went to Ponce the Mister Mister I was one of them. Like negative seventeen points, and I was one of
2: them on him. And uh, it, yeah, I mean, when you have these slates where uh, it and and with Marcus the Marcus Stroman situation, the reason why people were pissed was because they. The Mets said they're like, "Oh yeah, we're going to play this game like we're going to start in a in a delay or or no, they started the game. They should have delayed at first and waited waited after the storms. They should have waited. Instead, they started and then had to delay after like 7 pitches or something like that. So, that sucked, but I mean, like we knew what the weather situations were before the slate, right? Like this wasn't it, it was basically like having two questionable players for NBA. Whereas yesterday, since he didn't play DFS, I can tell you that the injury report for NBA was this long. Like, it took minutes to scroll through it on
1: my phone. Uh, just terrible. But but then, you didn't even get a Blue Jays lineup. So, like, even if you wanted to take a shot. No. Yeah. So, I'm just saying that, like, on these Sunday slates with those three and four o'clock games they put on the slate, like, sometimes you don't even get the lineup until 20 minutes before one o'clock lock.
2: Yeah, well, on Sunday is, you know, a notorious day for DFS anyway for both NBA and MLB, right? Like Sundays have most of like the back end starters as well. That's usually how the schedule goes. And with NBA, that's when the Bucks are resting their entire team and the Pelicans are resting their entire team. And for some reason, or the, the Orlando Magic only have four players available, even though Terrence Ross has been playing. So, yeah, Sundays for DFS are usually... Just a day to go to church, man. Just uh, just go and, <laughs> like, pay your respects and, and whatever you want to do. But yesterday, it, it was an absolute just train wreck. Uh, Daniel Ponce de Leon had negative 17 fantasy points. Um, Matt Shoemaker was heavy chalk and scored, like, the most fantasy points on the slate outside of uh, – the, there was one other person that did better than him, I think. Maybe it was Dylan Cease.
1: Um but Shoemaker, it's not like you scored a ton of points, right? No, he scored like eleven fantasy right. points. Right, like that's what I'm saying. Like it's not it like so he scored bad. a lot of
2: points. It was so bad, and I ended up on the nut low. I had uh, Ponce de Leon and Chris Flexen, which he scored two fantasy points. So at least I didn't have two people in negatives. But it, it was a, it was a wild slate, man. Um, and, and things like that happen sometimes, where you're going to have these pitchers that the entire slate is terrible and you get locked into Julio Teheran, And that's like what my entire rant was about in that initial like MLB post is if you're forced to play Julio Teheran at 9K, you should just play two guys at 6,500 because if Julio Teheran is 9K, it's very likely that every single pitcher is bad. So don't overpay for pitchers. Like I, I thought that it was going to be silly – to pay 9,400 for Mike minor, 9,900 for Jordan Montgomery. Like these guys do not deserve to be in the nine K's. I'd rather just take shots on guys who are between 6,500 and 7 K since that's where everybody should be priced. And, uh, and you know, if if I end up getting negative 17 for one of those guys, I can get negative 17 from anybody on the slate yesterday. Could have gotten negative 17 from Matt Shoemaker could have gotten negative 17 from Brett Anderson, 6,500 against Cardinals. Like, it's just one of those slates. So having the understanding of how much a player is really worth and how much they really deserve to be priced, uh, I think that's a really important thing to understand, especially in MLB DFS where we have these pitchers that get overpriced simply because relative to the other pitchers, they're they're better ish, but they're still not good. They're, they still you still shouldn't pay 10k for them.
1: And especially if they're going to be overowned. Like I, me personally, I I like those slates. I do too. Because because like it just okay, any two pitchers will do. I mean, I'm not I'm like the two types of slates that I like the most are the slates that have multiple studs and the slates that have absolutely none of them. Mm -hmm. Like where we get the just relatively, you know, the ninety eight hundred dollars for whatever the top pitch, you know, it's just it's uh, Jake Arietta for some he's somehow the best pitcher on the slate. And what ends up happening is that people look and like yes, because Marcus Drummond projects the highest raw points. Just in real, like all the pitchers are within like five points of each other, mm-hmm. so it's like there's no reason to play a forty five percent owned pitcher. There's right. no re- just there's no reason to just play and and who do you play instead? Anyone else? Like it just there's no reason for why you would play and just just someone that's not forty percent owned. Now on the double on the on the stud slates with there's multiple studs, that's when you could find leverage by playing like two studs when people can't mm-hmm. or playing if everyone's playing Bieber and you're playing Kershaw and you're playing Cole or you know something like that where you could you could get a high ceiling pitcher that's 10% owned because yeah, maybe maybe you maybe you Darvish shouldn't be only 200 less than Garrett Cole, but all that also makes him 8% owned rather than 38% owned. And you get leverage there, and then the cheap the cheap pitchers become, you know, like can you get a double stud lineup with a vomit stack? Now early in the season with the pricing soft, you can, uh, but as the season goes on, a lot of times you a lot of times the only way to once we get to July, like you're not going to see you're not going to see some of these guys that are twenty eight hundred dollars and leading off, and no, like they should be four thousand. And then the only way to get the double stud lineup is stacking the Marlins, stacking the Tigers, stacking the the Mariners type of lineup uh so those are the two types of slates i like the most only because the the ownership is just it's it's too it's too condensed for no reason the reason is is that the, they project those pitchers project better yes i get it but should two points of medium projection equal 30 percent in ownership it should it shouldn't and that and to me that's the advantage the problem is like you said yesterday so pick two other pitchers pick another if you're in FanDuel, you're picking one other pitcher but the problem is, is that all the pitchers suck. So it's like, well, which one do you pick? It's like, well, to me, any of them, and just hope you don't get, hope you hope you get the right one, right? How, how do you determine out of the eight other pitchers, which one's the right one? No idea. They're all project for like 11 points and they all have the variance of uh, going anywhere from like a good, res- 24, wow, or, or negative 17. So like, it's going to be a high variance situation, and I think people, I think people avoid it. They look, at, they look at that. Oh, they're you know, the, oh, this team is facing the Tigers or some you know bad team, and it's like I'd rather take the fourth starter from that team and overpay two thousand for them because it seems safer. But to me, it's not safe to play a pitcher that's a fourth or fifth starter on a team that's going to be heavily owned for two thousand too much.
2: Yeah, and, and that's the point. Is two thousand too much? I, I just think that like the. The price valuation. If you look at this as a day trader, if you look at this like from a stock market perspective, you're not going to buy a stock that is, you know, twenty two percent overpriced, and uh, because it's the only. There's plenty of people
1: that are still buying Tesla. Sure, but but like you
2: shouldn't <laughs> if you're hoping for gains, right? Like you should be if if you have a slate like yesterday, where you have these guys like Marcus Stroman. I suppose you can argue could be an 8000 to $8,500 pitcher. Overall, if every single pitcher available, if every single starter on, in the entire league was available on one slate, would you, like, where would you put Marcus Stroman? I would probably
1: put him in, like, the... 8K, six, yeah, probably he's an 8K pitcher.
2: Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd probably put him in, like, the 65th, 70th, something like that. Like, right. he's, he's above average.
1: Um, Jordan Montgomery is not... <laughs> like, like i'm not Montgomery. normally you, you, we looked at you know he's you, 6300 why not yeah. type of picture. yeah
2: and and like mike minor i suppose you could probably say like he was probably appropriately priced on Fanduel yesterday at 7600 on no, drafkins though at 9400
1: no i'm not touching that right he's like an 8k pitcher he's similar right. to stroman that leverage
2: and, and when you have situations like that, you shouldn't overpay. You, you should look at these guys and say, okay, well, if all, if every single pitcher in the entire league was on this slate, would I still be paying 9400 for Marcus Stroman? And the answer is absolutely not. You would not be doing that. You would not be paying 9900 for Jordan Montgomery. If these were your options, you're much more likely to just say, screw it, all of these guys are below 8 k in value. Just take the guys who are going to be like, sixty eight hundred sixty seven hundred whatever and stack up their bats because frankly any team could have crushed yesterday any team I I I ended up on a Padres White Sox stack because the Padres are very good the White Sox have a lot of upside against left-handed pitchers uh it it didn't go my way because Jordan because um freaking the the Red Sox just dominated and uh you know, there were multiple double dong hitters on that team, but any team could have done well. I, and so I'm, I'm just more likely to take these expensive teams that have a whole bunch of upside, the White Sox or the or the Red Sox or the Padres or uh, who else, the Yankees or something like that, and just hope that I get a lot of production from my bats and that my pitchers don't just absolutely tank me because every pitcher is bad. And I, I'm in the same boat as you, where I really like slates like this because people don't want to do that. People see price and equate price with safety. People see a $9,900 pitcher and say, oh, well, he must be $9,900 for a reason. There's not a reason. It's just because every other pitcher sucks. And relative to the other pitchers, they are slightly better. But if you were to do that exercise of saying, okay, would I pay Jordan Montgomery $9,900 on on a slate with every single pitcher available, if you're not going to do that, you shouldn't pay that price for him on an individual slate, even against other bad pitchers.
1: Right. If we take a look at today's slate, for instance, we got we got uh, Glasnow, we got Garrett Cole, we got Zach Grenke. Those are the pitchers that are over 10k on DraftKings. Now, uh, if we take a look at the back projections right now for them, Glasnow is almost 25 points. Cole is a little over 20. Then we got, like, Freddie Peralta at 19, Granke at 18, Rodon at 17, Peterson at 15. Like, the gap between, like, Glasnow and, like, everyone else is, is big. Like, But, like, Madison Bumgarner has a 15-point projection. Brady Singer at 8,300 has a 14.82 projection. So it's like, like, for $2,000 more, you're getting over 10 points of median projection. On the slate yesterday when a guy's 95 9400 and the only difference a one point like 2000 3000 in salary was only like a one or two point median difference so it's like and this and if if, if glasnow and cole were on yesterday's slate and Strowman and minor were nine thousand dollars like these guys would be 13k i mean like that's what it should be in relation proportionally to the price. But obviously the salary cap on these sites are always going to be the same. 50,000, 60,000, you know, 50,000 and 35,000 on FanDuel. So like they have to price everyone relatively. Like they can't have the highest pitcher on the slate be 6,700. Right. Because then then you could, everyone could roster all the bats. So, I mean, like then you have to fill up your salary somehow. So they're always going to dynamically price based on that that's why some some even on the batters you see on a a, a, some weird three game slate and for some odd reason the pirate you know oh why is brian reynolds 4700 it's like well they had to do it because the pitching's so bad that they they typically they do it with the pitching rather than the hitting
2: Mm
1: -hmm. uh you don't see the batters that just come up because all the pitchers suck they just dynamically price the pitchers depending on the slate so like like on another like Carlos Rodon is ninety four hundred today. If Carlos Rodon played yesterday and was ninety four hundred, he would have been the chalk. You would have played him over over any of those. He would have like why? Why am I paying for Jordan Montgomery when I can play Carlos Rodon? Right. Even Zach Greinke. If Zach Greinke was ten two, he would have been chalk. Even though his strikeout upside is not not the best. Like Zach Greinke's way better than uh, than than Jordan Montgomery and Mike Miner.
2: Yeah, by a lot, by a lot, a lot, even though he doesn't have the upside. But that like with Granky, at least you have the floor, right? Like Granky, for whatever reason, is allowed to throw an 83-mile-per-hour fastball followed by a 50-mile-per-hour EFIS and like get away with it. Nobody knows why. He's a wizard. But like because he can do that, paying 10K for him yesterday probably would have made sense rather than paying the $9,900 Jordan Montgomery. Um, But like – if Cole and Glass now were on a slate yesterday, uh, I mean, Joe Montgomery comes in at what, like, one percent owned?
1: Right, he's not 3%. even owned. I mean, like, it's nothing.
2: So that that's just something that I want people to think about. Yesterday, with Marcus Stroman having a projection of sixteen fantasy points on DraftKings at ninety one hundred, and then Ponce de Leon having a projection of fifteen point six, like at, at sixty seven hundred of course I'm going to play Ponce de Leon rather than Marcus Stroman because the projection is basically the same. The projection is the same between him and Chris Flexen and Matt Shoemaker and Mike Miner. Like, all these guys are between 13 and 16 fancy points. And if at any point you see that a top projection on a slate is 17 fancy points, just punt your pitchers, man. (laughs) Like, find somebody who can go a long ways, who can go more than four innings, and just, like, take some shots, find some upside, find some guys that have good strikeout rates, and just hope that they hit their ceiling. It's always going to be volatile, but vol- volatility is something that you want to embrace in MLB DFS. The, this is an NBA where, like, a higher price means that they have a floor of, of 35 fantasy points. Like, Jordan Montgomery isn't just all of a sudden James Harden, right? Like, right he's going to get
1: more usage. Right, right, right yeah. you think yeah, of those two, well, yes, he's going to – oh, he's going to get the, all the minutes. He's going to get more minutes. It's like it doesn't work that way in MLB.
2: Right, right. And that's why we had you know, a situation with Ponce de Leon. He ends up with negative 17 fancy points. Negative 17. And he's somebody who actually does have pretty good averages. Like going into yesterday, uh, Sierra of 4.47, K-9 of 11.47, like going up against the Brewers who have just been just tragic in terms of, like, their ability to actually hit a baseball this year. They need great to price spot. them up so, like, stop playing them. Right, yeah. Well, yesterday, you would have done great if you kept playing them. Well, because... I didn't play yesterday. Oh, too bad. <laughs> yeah, you should have. So, things like that. Just find upside. Find spots that make sense. And just hope that the variance does not absolutely destroy you. Um, and, and realistically, like, yesterday, you probably could have still cashed with Ponce de Leon if you had Red Sox. If you'd have had JD Martinez with Rafael Devers, like those two with Ponce de Leon and I think you still cash. Um and that's that's the other funny thing about DFS is like yesterday even with Ponce de leon i was looking at him getting beat up and i was looking at him with negative 17 fantasy points and uh, if it was like nba with linear projections and like linear things if you start out a game with negative 17 throw your phone go buy a new phone get rid of it (laughs) like you don't ever need to look at that phone ever again but in mlb i was looking at i was like okay well all of my hitters are under ten percent owned. Every single one, because White Sox, Padres were both way under owned. Um, nobody's on Chris Flexen, so I have all this relative value of all of these players that can still pass large swaths of the field if things go my way. So, like, I'm not dead yet in terms of my min cash equity, even with negative seventeen. So that kind of thing. That's the reason to love MLB: is you're not just dead if something doesn't go your way, there's so much relative value to be had by playing in a way that makes it so that you can pass big portions of the field. And there's so many event oriented things happening that if the white Sox and the Padres yesterday end up putting up a combined 20 runs, like it doesn't matter that I had a negative 17 for my pitcher. I can still probably finish in like the second tier payouts and double my money.
1: But with that variance, you also have to realize that on a day-to-day basis, it's that it, that's, that's what playing MLB DFS is going to be.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You can't think in terms of one slate. You have to think in terms of six months. That that yes, okay. I'm gonna I'm I, I'm gonna I'm just gonna randomly pick one of these pitchers because they're all sucky, and you pick the wrong one, and it's like ah, oh, what did I do wrong? You didn't do anything wrong, right? Just move on to the next day. You pick Brett Anderson, and he could have said eighteen or negative eighteen. It could have been it could have been it could have been anyone. So I don't th- I think beating yourself up. Or both things, beating yourself up when the variance doesn't go your way and then also pounding your chest where, oh, I got it right. It's like, you could have easily gotten it wrong. That, that was, was there any skill to that? Oh, well, I knew the exact picture. It's like, pick one of them, right? I don't care which one it is and just hope that over the course of six months, over the course of 180 slates, that the variance works in your way in the right combination one or two times and, and, you're, and you're good, so yeah so in so yes I think I think that's the mindset of why people play the overpriced pitchers on slates like that is because well I'm thinking in a very narrow field of like this slate I how do I win this slate and the more I I feel like if I play stroman and shoemaker or something like that's the best way to win this slate well no it's not that's not the best way to win money over 180 slates it's the best way to maximizing my possibility of, of cashing of like, are people going to blame me? Am I going to think back and go, should I have not played Marcus? What could I have done? The Mets said that they were going to play, right? And I picked the guy and then the seven pitches in is I, like, well, I can't blame myself for that. So I think a lot of people make, I think in all DFS, not MLB in every sport, people make choices, strategic choices. They build lineups that they could justify when they lose rather than build lineups that have the possibility of winning yet may look extremely stupid when they lose and they'll lose a lot, but they'll look stupid when it's like, okay, well, I, I, I didn't play Stroman. I played Ponce de Leon and I stacked a team that ended up getting, you know, only one run that was only 3% owned on the slate. And it's like, well, why, why, why didn't you play the chalk? Why didn't you play the I mean, like, why don't you just because play you your don't best win. plays, Jordan? Just play your best plays. Or just play the best plays, right? Don't embrace variance. But I think that's the main reason. I think it's psychological. I think it's more, more people are willing to lose like yesterday with Isaiah Hartenstein or whatever. Guy gets into foul trouble, gets 17 points. I know, I know what's up, even though I don't play. I, I see I see people on Twitter. I see the reports. Uh it's very easy to just say, you know, you play Bobby Portis or something with Yadis out. And go if he doesn't do well, like what else was I supposed to do? Like that he he performed. That's what you're supposed to do. And then when it doesn't happen, then you could blame it on something rather than just say, maybe this is the maybe 80% of the time this guy gets there, but 20% of the time it doesn't. So I'm gonna build a lineup for the 20% time it doesn't, and not not feel stupid. The 80% of the time, the four fifths, the four out of five times, your lineup's dead. But one out of five times, you have the possibility of winning the hold down the, the whole thing. So, like, if you're going to play every day, play for that occurrence, and don't worry about "quote" looking stupid. I'm not talking about looking stupid publicly. If you're just playing by just just looking at the lineup, going, looking at the win, you look at the winning lineup, and it's the, and it has the chalk pitcher and a chalk stack. Right now, it doesn't mean you got the secondary stuff. Right, you know, some guy hits three home runs and he's three percent owned, and he happens to be in the winning lineup as a one off. Maybe you would have never gotten on that guy. You would you wouldn't have won. But you take a look and you go, okay, who's the chalk pitcher? Oh, that the sixty percent owned pitcher and the twenty plus percent owned stack, five man stack on DraftKings is in the winning lineup, and you're sitting there with your your one percent owned stack and the, the contrarian pitcher going uh, with, with zero dollars winning, and you're like, like I put in twenty bucks, I got back zero. I'm the I'm the idiot. And you're like, no, like over the long run, if you played that slate out a thousand times it's quite possible that that lineup has a higher expected value than the one that won. Right. But it, but it didn't win on that day. So you can't think in those terms day to day and go, Oh, the chalk won yesterday. And now I, from now on, you, you see this all the time, probably in your chat, right. I see it in the Roto grinders discord, right. What you either get one or the other, you either get, you know, someone plays contrarian and the chalk comes in, they're like, I'm just playing the best place from now on. From now on, I am playing the best place. And then you also see the opposite where they play the chalk and the chalk fails and some really contrarian lineup wins. It's like, I'm done playing chalk from this point forward. If some guy is over 50% on, I'm, I'm Xing them out without realizing that both, both, both ways are wrong, right? Both, right. Bo- mm-hmm. both, both attitudes are wrong. You're thinking too much in the term, in the, in the span of one slate and not not an, your overall dfs playing career your one slate is like one hand of poker you don't sit down at a table and you just oh if i don't get a good hand and i and i make a bet and i get raised and i fold i'm i'm no longer betting again i'm not, from this point forward i'm no i'm no longer playing ace king ever again ever i lost with ace king and i should have won i should have won my opponent had 10 jack he got a jack i didn't get an ace or king there's no way I play Ace. Game. You can't think that. That's, you, know, you wouldn't play poker that way. So you shouldn't be playing DFS that way either.
2: It's really hard. People, um, I, I mean, everybody defaults. Every single human defaults towards being risk averse. It, it's just, it's built into our genealogy. It's built in the psychology of the decisions that you make every single day. Behaviorally, you want to take less risks and you want to look at things and say, oh, well, this hurt, This loss hurts more than the justification of winning like there was somebody in my discord that the first like four days went great for him he he was like this is the best that i've ever done during an mlb season this is awesome you know i've made money every single day blah blah blah." three days later three days comes into the discord and says oh another day of losing money in mlb it's like less than a week ago, dude, like less than a week ago, you were stoked. And so it's, it's just one of those things where you you remember the losses more than you remember when things are going well. And if you are chasing results of specific things, like one day the chalk doesn't work out. So you're like, I'm never playing chalk again. And the next day the chalk works out. And you say, Oh, well, I have to play the chalk. And if you're constantly bouncing back and forth and you don't have a consistent process of how you want to do things you're never going to find long-term success because you can't. Um, and, and that process, that, that is another conversation uh, entirely, a, a really long conversation that can be had on developing a process and developing an understanding of what you want to accomplish every single slate. Like me, I like to put together a lineup that is going to either place first or last. I always look at the slate and I always say, okay, who's going to be the chalk? Is it good chalk? Most of the time, it's probably not that good a chalk in MLB unless it's, you know, pitchers. Like, I'm okay eating chalk on pitchers, but with with bats, like, if the Twins are going to be heavy chalk, then it's more likely that I'm going to make a decision to take up my second pitcher against the Twins and pass a huge portion of the field that has 35% on Twins, whereas I have now a 1% on pitcher that was only 7,500, and I have the upside of a Padres stack that was the same price as the Twins. Something like that. But... When the twins go off, I'm all the way down at the bottom. Like the only people below me are people who didn't make a lineup. And I might be below them if my pitcher gives me negative 17 fantasy points and my bats don't do anything. So my understanding of that means that over the course of the season, I'm going to place last a lot, but I'm also going to have opportunities to place first. Whereas if you play in a way that just says, oh, I just want to cash. And you're taking, you know, all of the chalk and you're taking all of the quote unquote best plays like the other day, uh, the, the Angels stack that, that went off, right? Like Shohei hit a home run and, and Jared Walsh hit a home run. And like these guys were like 40% out. Right, I, I had those stacks. And, and it's like, yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's, <clears throat> that's cool that, that all that worked out. But the the resulting conversation of it was, oh, well, this is why you just play the best plays. And then, and then an hour and a half later, why didn't I cash? I had Shohei and Jared Walsh.
1: Because so did everybody else. So dude. did everyone else. That doesn't do anything for you. Me.
2: Didn't get anything from it, like it right? But the the, the thing joke.
1: is, is like like it's not a. This is when it comes to lineups, not players. Like I don't think in terms of am I fading the chalk? Am I not fading the chalk? I'm just looking to build plus EV lineups. So like in that instance with that Angel slate, it's like I need to make sure the Angels are the best projected stack. They're also going to be the highest owned stack. How do I play the A's in a lineup that makes them plus EV mm-hmm. from a relative value perspective? Well, I'm going to play, I'm going to play them with the diamondbacks. It's like the diamondbacks. Like they were like 3% owned. Like the highest guy was like 3.2% owned. It's like, yeah. So I could play Otani, Trout, uh, Walsh. I could play that line. I could play four angels, four, on four, uh, Fanduel, four, four with four diamondbacks and still play the chalk pitcher. Just fit in whoever fit. There, now, Now, the, did the Diamondbacks get there? No, on that day. Did this lineup get? No, it didn't. Or it played the Cubs. Like, the, the Cubs did well that day. I, had a, I, I remember that day. I had, a, I had a lot of good lineups. Yeah. Uh, I think it came at 44 fifth at the highest. I mean, it didn't get there. But, I mean, close. Uh, but I, I'm not looking at going, oh, the Angels are a truck stack. I'm fading. I'm just like zero Xing them out. It's like, no. Well, the projections say that they're the... That, like, why wouldn't I play the best projected players? It's just, I need to play them in lineups where it makes sense. So I still have enough leverage that, okay, everyone, 40% of the field gets these points, but I'm part of the 2% of the field. They got the other parts of the points right. in the rest of the lineup. And then if you're, if you're playing uh, a lot of lineups, it just comes down to diversification of like, how much, how much of my portfolio am I looking to, have of a chalk angel stack and maybe I go under to mitigate and go maybe there's four other options of me getting higher EV lineups with different stacks than playing any of the angels. yet the angels are still the highest pro I could still make plus EV lineups with the angels but since I have a lot more options now that I can make, Maybe I only have the angels in ten percent of my line maybe 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 that ends up that way, only so I could still retain the equity of angels lineups and still have enough diversified ways to ways to win now you don't need to be diversified, but when you're playing if you're play if you're putting a thousand dollars in tournament entries, like you can't survive putting thousands of dollars in going I'm going in one strategy one direction I'm playing like Like locking guys in and then rotating two other guys around. Like when you win, you win humongous, but you're not going to win that often. And, but the days that you don't win, you don't want to put in a thousand and get back $6. Like, like you still want to retain some, some equity. And if you have, if we had, let's say there were 3000 plus EV lineups that you could build for an MLB contest. Now today's a 12 game slate. There's going to be a lot more than that but let's just say 3,000. I'm just making up a number. At most, you could pay 150. So let's say you're playing 150. Let's say you're playing 20. It doesn't matter how many you're playing. If you have a choice between 3,000 lineups that show a positive return in the contest that you're playing, this would obviously be a large field contest. Uh, There's going to be all different. Out of those 3,000, there may be two Tiger stacks, right? There may be 300 Angel stacks, There may be 20 Dodgers that like they like you could find a stack of any team, pretty much a combination of two teams amongst all 3000 of those lineups. And the EV, that range of expected value is probably decent enough to play plus EV to play. So when when people are like, well, what percentage should you like that? You you could feel free to to close your eyes and pick a random 150 out of that 3000 and you're going to be profit. You're going to be profitable over the long run. Now now you have the choice. Okay, now that you you have these 3000 lineups, which ones to pick? It's like, well, like if they're if they're all around equal to each other in some regard, why would I want to play 150 of like if there were there's 300 angel stacks that are plus EV, why do I want to play 150 of them? You can. If we played this laid out a million times, they'll show as they'll show a positive return. But if I could play, if I only played 75 angel stacks and then 20 of other stacks and combine my portfolio is the same EV, like, what, why not get diversification? Why, I mean, what, what, what would be the reason not to? What I get the best of both worlds. I get plus EV lineups. And if, if the angel stacks don't get there, some, one of the other ones gets there. Or I get some min cash equity and my $1,000 turns, oh, I get 800 back. I'm like, okay took a shot, lost 200, move on to the next day. Maybe maybe I make a little money. Maybe I only lose half my buy-ins, but I, I don't go down to zero. If all things being equal. Now there are certain cases, maybe on some slates, maybe shorter slates or something, where the pricing is off or something where like, there's a there's, thousand there's plus EV lineups and like half of them are one team. Where it's like, you, you almost feel like, Like, maybe I don't want to diversify this slate as much. Maybe I just like, no, I'm going to play 150 and just rotate a bunch. Because I believe that that, that range is a bit wider. This team is above, like, all of these others that I could play. I could find stacks of some other teams that don't include that chalk team in it. But I may just decide. I think it's better to just, I'm just going to invest my money into... Into that team and make as many combinations as I can play the eighth hitter, play, play the combinations that people don't have and play the one-offs that someone, you know, that everyone's paying up for a trout one-off and I'm playing Mookie bets, you know, like that type of thing. Uh, and I'm deciding that then, but from an EV perspective, like the lineups, like what, how much of this team and how much of that team is just a matter of, of how much risk tolerance you want on the slate. As long as you're able to find plus EV lineups, you believe they're plus EV, like it doesn't matter, like the the exposure. Do, should you play 80% of a pitcher? You could. Can am I likely to play 80% of a hitter? Unlikely, but not because it's poor strategy. Those those that if, if I play a hundred lineups and 80 of them has has whatever hitter in it, like it doesn't make those lineups bad. It doesn't, all those lineups are great lineups individually. They're great lineups. I'm just hinging. I'm just, all I'm doing is hinging my, the, the outcome of my slate, primarily to that one hitter. And we all know how varying hitters are. So it's like, do you want to do that? You can, if we played this slate out 10,000 times, those lineups would do just as, just as good. If you had, if you locked that, if you locked the hitter in, you'd be fine. But with the inherent variance of baseball, is that a good long-term strategy your bankroll is going to swing like there's no tomorrow if you do it that way and if hey you, you have a 10 million dollar bankroll and you're only playing $1000 a day you could fine now now you can do it you're playing 0.001% of your bankroll and you could you could survive all those swings all you want but if you're paying even 1% of your bankroll in gpp's like you can't employ diversification. Well, I mean, you can. It's just that your risk of ruin, of risk of ruin is has just exponentially gone up. So really, it's in relation to how much that you're playing, how much in your bankroll versus what's in there. And, that, and that's one of the main reasons why I am so conservative with my bankroll management, where it's like, you know, I, I think today on FanDuel, I'm playing 100 lineups and the $3, 30, 333 bucks worth of lineups, which is... Which is less than one percent of my bank. I mean, it's, it's less than a half a percent of my bankroll. But because it's less than a half a percent of my bankroll, I can. Impl- I don't. I don't care as much about diversification. If I decide to say oh, I'm going to stack the, the four crap teams like I normally do, right? My vomit stacks and you know off the board stuff. It's like okay, my th- 333 dollars turns into eighty-eight bucks. Okay, move on to the next day, right? And, I could do that. Like, I, it gives me more of those options rather than playing 5% of my bankroll in GPPs and having to be concerned that, like, I need, I need to reserve enough equity where I'm getting back at least half of my buy-ins on a nightly basis, or, you know, this thing could go south pretty quickly in a couple of months. So, like, that's not strategy, though. Like, that, like how much of a player you have in a, in a lineup set of 20 lineup? you're playing 20 max? That's not strategy. That's just, how do you want to diversify your portfolio? Like, you could do it anyway. As long as 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 long as all 20 lineups are plus EV, I'm um, diversify any way you want. It doesn't, doesn't matter. X out a guy, right? There are going to be lineups that, oh, the chalk pitcher is, you know, 80% owned. Like, you can probably find 20 lineups that don't have them, that, that project well enough, that have a high enough uh, first place equity that just play those if you want. Just understand that, if that truck picture puts up 35 points, just close your laptop. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I would argue that it
2: is some kind of strategy, right? It's bankroll strategy. And it's long-term, it's it's your strategy for your goals. Um, you you can take those really, really volatile stances, the kind of stances that I like to take, and you can say that over the long run, you're willing to take the zeros, you're willing to take the the shots, over a long course of time. Or you can be like, there, there's a sub in my Discord that is very, very good at playing small contests or like small field entries. Um, and, and his strategy and my strategy are exceptionally different. And people are like, if somebody tags him and, my, him and myself in something in the Discord and says, hey, what do you guys think about this? The chances of us both having the same answer are not super likely because his strategy is so different on the way that he needs to put together his lineups because he's playing in a smaller field. He's playing against different competition. He's playing against different guys with a different goal in mind. So that that kind of strategy in terms of how you treat the conservative nature of your lineups, you are a much more conservative player in your MME because you need to avoid the risk of ruin. You're doing this for a living. You're doing this to where like this is your well, – I'm I'm not,
1: not, To say risk, no, I'm, I'm more conservative diversification-wise. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. Right, yeah. I'm still playing not some nutso line. i some lineups that are high risk first or last type lineups. It's just that I'm not playing. I'm not saying, well, all my first or last lineups are going to be the Padres. Like it's like no, all my like I I, I have no problem playing eight different sure. stacks on this. List.
2: Yeah, but you all you also understand that like you don't really want to lose everything in one slate. At least that's what I have gained from like our conversations, right? Like you you. Do not want that ever. You're you're always trying to maintain some sort of your floor in your bankroll, right?
1: Right, right. But okay. I'm still trying to play plus. I just I'm choosing lineups that it's like okay, here's um, my li- I try to make my lineups as ne- as natively correlated to each other. Sure, okay. Like, so it's it's a matter of like not all of my lineups move up this way or not. Like it's one of those things that that you see if you looked at the the dots, right? They show you your screen. I want to see them all over the local place. It's like right, I right, right, all over yeah. the place because so I have many different win conditions. Where yeah. this lineup wins, this other lineup is in dead last place because yeah. it's like the complete opposite. It's like here's the pitcher in this stack, and I'm literally playing the pitcher against that stack and the other team. Like it's completely negatively correlated with one another. Both have positive expected value, but just they have different, they're different. Yeah. Yeah. Different win conditions. This Draw guy gets blown it. up or that guy. One of these pitchers gets blown up. I don't know which one it is. Stack against both of them. And yeah. play the other one in the other lineup. I mean, like, like so they're not going to be correlated to each other, which, which means that if one, I'm going to cash on one and not cash on the other. So I have a lot of lineups like that, yeah. right? Play the chalk, don't play the chalk. Contrarian here, not contrarian there, right? Not going all in on hitters. Not going all in on pitchers even, right? It's like, okay, I'm going to play... 30% to five pitchers and just like whatever happens, happens. Right. Sometimes, sometimes you, sometimes someone is so under owned that I think like, okay, I want to, have, I want to have even more of them, but it, that's all slate dependent. Yeah. But, but I mean, the first diversific- like I, I, I always say diversification is not a strategy. You still need to build good lineups. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm, I have 150 lineups and I'm playing uh, 16 different teams and all the lineups are there. They're two, two, one, 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 one. Right. I mean like, like dude, you're playing bad line. It's like, it doesn't, at that point, who cares what the diversification is? It's like, you know, they're all negative EV lineups. So now you have a diversified way of losing your money slowly over time. But way it's diversified. At least it's diversified. Right. So you'll lose money slower. That's a, that, that's all. That's all that means. It doesn't mean you win. It just means you lose money slower. Sure.
2: So that, that's the kind of thing and that I think that a lot of people can take something from this is understanding uh, that it is okay to be taking certain shots on, you know, 40% Shohei Otani. If you have 3% dime backs. Um, but ownership I think is something that matters a lot in MLB. Uh, yesterday, I think that I made a slight mistake in taking Ponce de Leon because he was projected to be 30% owned and, um, and but you know, with having Chris Flexen next to him, Chris Flexen was only two percent owned, so like you're good, I can deal with that, right? I can deal with that. Whereas, if if Flexen and Ponce de Leon both do well, like I pass a large majority of the field that doesn't have Chris Flexen, and especially on a slate like yesterday with so many bad pitchers, if I can have a bad pitcher at two percent owned, cool, They're all, they're all terrible. Like, give me the one that's two percent owned. So I I personally like to kind of cut it in the middle. I like to try to find guys and teams and pitchers that have a lot of upside and are not necessarily going to be very highly owned because I think that a lot of people uh, undercut the vast majority of the field. They, they kind of get tunnel vision and say, oh, well, the this stack is, you know, good. So that's why they're 30% owned. And that's what I'm going to take on. It's like, okay, well, this other stack is also really good and, is only gonna be 10% owned, but they're just not getting talked about as much. And I like to try to exploit stuff like that. Um the the main reason why that is volatile for me, though, is because I only play one lineup. If I was going to MME, I could take a whole bunch of different shots and I could like try to diversify. And the reason why I don't MME is because I'm not near as good as it good at it as Jordan is in my diversification, and I still like look at him like. I I don't do a good enough job of separating people and separating wind conditions. And that's something that you just talked about that you're really good at. I'm not quite as good at it. So I try to cut that part out of my game because it's more decisions that I think I can get wrong if I'm going to be playing a whole bunch of slates, but it's something like I've said that I, that I want to practice and that I'm going to try to continue practicing over this baseball season.
1: Right. Rob Rodriguez, could you get negative correlation by raising the number of unique players in lineup HQ, that's not negative correlation, but that is diversification. Unique players, all all unique players setting in lineup HQ is is just tells the optimizer how much different do you want the lineups to be from one another. One unique player means that in a lineup of 10, ten spots, that nine of the players could be the same. So if you're going to build a hundred lineups, it it as long as it's the way the meaning projection is, you get lineups. All 100 lineups are have 99 of the same people. And then one guy is different in every lineup. Like, that's not very diversified. So unique players, too, would mean that every lineup needs to have at least two different players from one another. Three different players is three from one another. Four different players from one another. So that held, that's a blunt tool to help you. Get diversification, but all but who knows what it's going to pair with one another because it's still going by meeting projection. So yes, you may have three different players from lineup to lineup, but you may end up having the same like five guys in a stack and like all the twenty stacks that you have. So you don't have diversification even in your stack. So you kind of have to use the player exposures in order to do that. It's it's something I showed on on Friday this past Friday. If you want to watch the pregame show from last. Friday this past Friday was what was it the 11th 10th 9th the 9th I go I, I take like 40 minutes and I go through like this is exactly what I do in lineup HQ once you make a decision on what your what types of lineups you're going to play uh and I had an example back then but you should look at that uh and also he asks uh, how am I mentally handling my struggles in MLB cash which I'm not struggling in I'm do- I'm down five thousand dollars uh, and down 100, he's down 100 dollars, only thanks to a 400 dollar GPP win, and almost ready to throw in the towel. Like, like you said, I'm struggling in MLB Cash. It's been what, 11 days? Yeah, five. A bit more it, that? What? A little bit more than 11 days, or has it been exactly? No, it's been well, it's, it's been 11 days, right? Yeah. We started on April 1st, right? Yeah, you're right. And I didn't even play yesterday, so it's been 10 days, For right? Years. Yeah. Uh, I, I hope you understand that $5,000 is less than 2% of my bankroll. Yeah. My stock portfolio goes up or down 2% in a day. And I don't, I don't even look at it. So like, that doesn't mean anything. So like, I, I care about the number at the end of the year. Doesn't mean anything. So what's a hundred dollars to Like I said, he's down a hundred dollars. It's like, if a hundred dollars is only 2% of your bankroll, then. What do you, what do you, in, in, in 10 days? What is that? Was that 2%? I, my stock, I think I, I can look right now, my stock portfolio. I think it's down even more than 2% today. Let's see. So I drafting stock and drafting stock went down, it's down like 6% today. Now my, 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 my stock today is down what 1.8%. Just right. Oh. As of right now. Am I, am I going, oh my God, my hair's on fire. No, it's going to go go up or down. It's going to, what are we talking about? My stock portfolio, I'm looking for it like on the course of 20 year time horizon. So like 2% in one day doesn't mean anything. the same thing in DFS. So mentally it doesn't mean anything to me.
2: It is what it it is. I think it was last week where I said that you should look at every single slate of MLB as if it was one single like at bat out of an entire game of an MLB game what happens at one at bat you think mike trout cares about like what happens at one at bat you think ronald acuna cares it no they they care about trying to win at the end of the season they care about trying to have that championship at the end of the season and
1: well acuna on the other hand, he's beating out normal ground ground bowls you see that the other day oh dude yeah that was crazy um, right, it's like it's that to me he hit it i saw the highlight so it's like like why they show like oh my like someone's like omg acuna and i'm like okay, they're going to show some deep home run or something like that, or some yeah. amazing like, fielding play. And it's like, oh, it's just a routine grounder. Like, what, what, what's so amazing about this? And then they, it's a routine throw and he beats it. I'm like, okay, that's what's amazing that he, <laughs> those are the types of ground balls you look at and you don't even look at, the, you know, that's when the umpire typically barely gives a signal because it's like, yeah, it's inevitable. And then like three seconds later, he's like, yeah, I guess so. That's out or whatever.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, him beating out that ground ball, uh would be the same as you know doing well on a slate that you didn't expect to do well on right <laughs> and that's all it is right like I, I mean you see it and you you have negative 17 from ponce de leon but hey you, you still had jd martinez and rafael devers yesterday so like your your day started out like not super awesome but things ended up okay and now you're on first base just right. don't throw it all away now don't try to steal for no reason uh just move on and treat it, each individual at bat separately. Um, like I, I'm down in MLB to some amount, I don't know how much, but I know that I have been in first place in tournaments four out of the last eleven days before like falling back because something has happened, and it's like the upside is there. I, I have like the pitchers and like the hitters and stuff like that that I should, it's just variance hasn't broken for me yet. Right. So. I, to put
1: things into perspective, I've had I've had over five and a half years, I've had four. I've had four downswings over 20,000 and two over 30,000, okay? To put things into perspective. And I could show you my graph. I'm, I'm I'm up past, I mean, like I've, in all those four instances, I've gone down 20,000 and come back up past the point that I was at. So it came out ahead. You'll go, you do a six month lapse on that. And you just go, let's eliminate the middle. It'll look like I went from point X ac- and only up, right? Didn't realize it to go down and then up. That's happened four times to me, over 20,000, twice over 30,000. And these numbers sound like a lot. I'm conservative with my bankroll. they are top players that this is in the six figures, 200,000, yeah. 300,000, 800,000. It, uh, it was last NFL season, Ricky D. And uh, he, he went down like 200K. No, he would, no, he was down. He, he had a million dollar downswing.
2: Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, no,
1: it was, yeah, it was, he was up. He was crazy. up like 800,000 to that's down right. to yeah. minus 200,000. And you know what, you know what ends up happening six months later, he wins the Millie maker. I mean like, right, he's, <laughs> right. He's past the point. He's past the point. So like, if you just did, took out the middle, it would look like the million dollar downswing down never even happened. Just right. it's the same thing with my stock portfolio. It's like, 20 years from now, like my portfolio is going to be worth five, six, seven times what it is, even though it's down 2% today. So like what, so a lot of time, a lot of times in the investment, the, the, the biggest advice they could give you is to, you know, take your brokerage account, just take your password and just like make a random password and forget it for 20 years. Just mm-hmm. like, don't trade. Don't just forget it. Just Don't even look at it for 20 years. You'll do better then oh well, I got to sell this and I got to buy that and oh my god it went down 3% all oh, the stock and and throughout that 20 year period the stock market could have crashed three four different times like when the end of the world you know like the in march with covid like it could have like dude if you kept your stocks when after it crashed 40% this past march you're up you're up <laughs> you're up Right, if you kept the S and P, you're you're you've made a great return, even with a forty percent dip. So you have to think the same exact way in DFS. I've just like I've been playing for five and a half years, and I'm profitable. I I I, I feel like I have an edge. I've proven track record. So if I dip two percent of my bankroll in a, a week and a half period, like what the hell does that mean? Like I've done that's that that fi- the five thousand dollar dip. Downswing? I I can't even count how many, how many of those exist. I mean, what? 50? 100? I mean, come on. I mean, like, like some of these NFL slates I'm playing, I'm playing twice that in volume. Right. I'm mean, like, so like like so oh you're down five thousand dollars in MLB. Right? Well, I made money in MMA the other day. I mean, like I made money in other sports, I made money in soccer. I mean, like my overall DFS play. Over this year, is still is still I'm still up like thirty thousand dollars. That was a bad break for MMA, by the way, dude. It wasn't a bad break. It
2: just it I just, didn't get it. it just sucks. It's just like having a unique lineup and being that close. It just sucks. I just hate seeing it.
1: No, 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 no. I, I don't think that. No, no. I see, see, you, see. You're two results. You're you're even too results oriented. No, I no. I,
2: I I only am results oriented because I feel bad for a friend. No, that, like, no. I was happy that was unique sucks to
1: see what else am i supposed to, james what else i can't control the result well, of
2: course you can't do anything but you can still look at it and say "Ah, eh, that's kind of sucks
1: yeah because i had a it, 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 see i wouldn't have been i wouldn't have been as upset if that lineup was duplicated 11 times
2: exactly that's what i'm right? saying if it was
1: duplicated 11 times it'd be like I, I don't think i played it well but the fact that i got a unique lineup like that and that's right, close yeah and that right and, and and a unique lineup one also well also primarily cuz two 10% lower so, single digit guys were the optimal uh, of course i had both of them but that's the main reason why there were so many uniques that towards the top but yeah but that, but what else am i supposed to do it's like i had a unique lineup that came in what fifth sixth place whatever for 2500
2: mm-hmm.
1: so it's like uh, but i can't i can't control the fact that that if marquez would have had like just gotten a takedown i would have won and that's 100,000 right, right. Well, I mean, and and you know, I
2: it's the same thing. I I had Manny Machado with the bases uploaded and he struck out and then got ejected. It's like, well, you know, one thing there and it's really, really, really good day. But that's that's what we deal with in DFS. It's just like when when it's those one thing, and when it's a friend and I know that it's a unique lineup and it's like, oh yeah, this is a, like well, I what like to do. I just like seeing people find that like that that pinnacle and like see those binks. That's why I have a site, you know, like, because I like seeing it. it. It's not necessarily that I understand that the process, like the process was great and you had a unique lineup that finished that high and like all those things, those are great thumbs up, but it's just like, I'd like to give that mental high five and be like, that's my guy, you know, like, that's really cool for him. I'm happy for him. Cause
1: right. I like being happy I for being about the result. I can't, I'm not going to blame Julian Marquez over that. Well, you should, you should send him a message on Twitter. Right. You should tell him that you. If I would have if I would, if I would have played Mackenzie Dern over Jack Shore in that lineup and left an extra eight hundred on the table, I would have had the nuts. Like that, that would have been the nut lineup. It's like it, to me, if anything, it's like if I would have set my sal, if my salary under under uh, four forty nine five.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like I may have been able to get that lineup, but I probably still probably wouldn't. Have, right? Because right. my my main thing is that I was playing the single digit own guy, so I didn't feel like I needed to. To, to to make lineups that were like forty eight eight, mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I needed to make those lines. But it turns out, turns out that but no one made no one made those like no one like the nut lineup did. There was no nut like the the winning lineup was not the nuts. That's all I would crazy have had. The, it, basically, if, if replacing Shore with third in my lineup would have been the absolute nuts. That's but, crazy to me in MMA. That that like we don't
2: see the nuts get hit as often. Well, as it's a
1: third. It was thirteen fights. That's why. I I know I know. It's just nine it. fights you're gonna see the nuts. Yeah, you'll see fights it wrong. you're gonna see. I mean, even 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 thirteen fights, most likely you're gonna see the nut lineup win. But like nine or ten. That's like, so that's why I don't like. Like when I saw the MMA slate it was gonna be fifteen fights. Of course, two yeah. got canceled. Like that. Those are the, those are the slates I want to play in MMA. These nine fight, ten fight, when three fights get canceled and. And there's only like nine fights on the card. It's like a yeah, good luck building a unique lineup. Like I just like, right. I like I, I can't, I can't play those. I mean, I, I tried over with COVID the last year only because there was nothing else going on, but it's like, no, I, I need, I need 12 plus fights to get to, you know, then, then, you, then you could start making unique. Then you could start playing the, the 8% percent don guy with the 10% percent don guy with, then you could play the two chalk guys and you could, end you, you run, you run, uh, you run the percentages and you go, This lineup likelihood of being duplicated is like maybe maybe there's me and two others. And it's like, okay, this is good. It could be I could be the only one, but at most, there may only be three. And then right. you go, okay, I could play I could play this lineup. So like that type of stuff. But so to me, I just aim for uniques. And that, that's why the swings in MMA for me are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Right? Because I am I'm aiming for first in the large field contests. And if you don't get first in those, I mean the fact that I made money is astonishing <laughs> in, in large field MMA where it's like, I came in, I, I came in uh, fifth and still profited all, all my entries. Yeah. By a good amount. Also, cause I had like 11th, I had a whole bunch of lineups up there, but, but that's, but that's what that's, that, that's my risk profile for MMA. I have no problem putting a thousand bucks. Right. And if I get zero back, then I get zero back. And that's just, that's just the way it is. I'm aiming, I'm aiming for a hundred thousand. So like, that's what it is, but one thousand dollars is, le- is is less than a half a percent of my bankroll. So, oh my god, I lost a half a percent. Oh, half a percent. I could look right. I may have lost a half a percent of my stock portfolio since I checked last. Let me let me check. No, oh, I gained. Oh, it came back. So at at the last time I checked my stock portfolio, I was down one point eight percent on the day. Now I'm down one point oh five percent on the day. Okay. That's 0.8%. That, that's like, that's, that's, that's a couple of hundred bucks, right? That's I probably with my portfolio, but like seven, 800 bucks or something, something like that. Yeah. In the span of we just checking 700 to $800, just, just in the span of like, like 10 minutes. So like, like that, but that's what bankroll management is. Mm-hmm. People, people don't, they, oh, it's the, oh, I have a thousand bucks on my account and I'm going to play a hundred, like, no. I, I, it's, I treat it like a like a like a real investment right so two percent is I mean that's normal volatility in the stock market so if that happens in DFS I go I could blank for an entire week and be like okay that sucks but, <laughs> you know, but hey stocks always go up right eventually eventually uh we talk about a lot of this like especially the bankroll management stuff Chapter 8, Risk Management in uh, the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. How to Think Like a Professional DFS Player. That, that's what I talk about. That's what James talks about. 15-hour audio masterclass. So if you want to learn more about that, more in a structured way, obviously it's 15 hours long, broken up into a bunch of chapters. It's a good reference guide. It applies to all sports. So you could listen to it over and over again. It'll always apply. So go to theoryofdfs.com and pick that up. James, you still don't have a domain name, right? No. I haven't had time. Don't have time? I don't have time. Time for what? Time to figure out how to do that. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I have a kid and I'm writing. Uh, I'm writing pitcher breakdowns every day. Well, every weekday for baseball, so you know managing all the daily sports and managing a child and writing like i don't have time for a domain name man I need somebody to make me one
1: no i'm not going to make you no i'm going to make you do it <gasps> jordan
2: this make something. me a domain name like painter
1: dfs.com all right how, how do i do that what site again i'm not we're not going to do it now you go figure it out it's not jordan gonna help you me <laughs> just type into google how to make a domain name just type it literally just like that all right i'm doing this today Okay, this, so this you're going to do it today. This is my so people. Could, today. People can find you and your site at paydirtdfs.com. <laughs> I don't know if it'll be paydirtdfs.com. But, and okay, but well, we're going to keep on saying that so we don't get the, <laughs> dot, post, dot, guy, the io crap. Okay. For
2: now, until the end of the day, you can find all my stuff at paydirt.ghost.io. Uh Like I said, I do pitcher breakdowns for MLB slates right now. and talking about every single pitcher, and I, I have – Models and cool research stuff for every sport. That's models. what you should
1: put on your site. Paydirt.DFS shouldn't even be a fan; it should be, it should be a porn site. Okay. That's yeah. No. Cool. Well, it is data
2: porn for now, so I mean, I okay. can add some real stuff anyway. But,
1: but... put your mod, put your put your sports models on paydirt.ghost.io and then put your put actual models. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. sounds good. I'm gonna do it. Right. I'm gonna do it. Once you learn how to make a domain. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you can find all my stuff at paydirt.ghost.io. You can find me on Twitter at paydirt underscore DFS. Um, yeah, just, uh, I love baseball season. It's my favorite. So
1: come come join the community. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Blender HD. As always, hit those thumbs ups. Give me the thummy thumbs. You kept my apple juice cold for, for whatever's left in it. Uh, on your way out the door, hit the thumbs up. Hit the subscribe button if you're new. Hit the notification bell. We got uh, Grinders Live. Tonight we got multiple. I think multiple ones tonight. I never check the schedule. Right? It'll be probably Dean, maybe Stevie. They'll be will be people. They'll be, they'll be talking NBA, talking MLB. We got a premium crunch time as always before lock. If you're a premium member, you could say if you're not, sign up. Hit the link in the in the description. Get ten dollars off your first month. And I'm in the I'm in the Roto Discord. Uh, usually I'm in the back channel. So if you have the Bat. Uh, talking in there, baseball and stuff, but uh, we'll we'll see what happens on on today's slate, and uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that tomorrow because uh, I'm here, I'm here all the time, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. every weekday for the DFS pregame show here on RotoGrinders.com.